Hello, welcome to Hope Stream FM Weekly Bible Study Review. My name is Pastor Solomon Odinyebuchi Okono. The title of this week's lesson is Defeat of the Assyrians. The key text is from Isaiah 37 verse 16. O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, the one who dwells between the cherubim, you are God alone of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heavens and the earth. Shall we pray? Our dear Heavenly Father, thank you for our lives and for an opportunity to study. Please, Father, open our eyes and our minds that we may hear from you and live. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Today's lesson begins with descriptions of Sennacherib's conquest of Judah. Sennacherib, the son of King Sargon II, was king of Assyria from 705 to 681 BC. His seat of power was in Nineveh, now in Iraq. When King Sennacherib became the Assyrian king, he extended the power and influence of the Assyrian kingdom. Historians say that under Sennacherib, the Assyrian kingdom did not only excel in power, but also excelled in beauty. Recent archaeological discoveries reveal that there were drawings and paintings on Sennacherib's palace wall depicting great conquests and the beauty of this ancient kingdom. To show how beautiful the Assyrian seat of power was, one of the paintings excavated from that palace, which is now in the British Museum, carries the inscription, Palace Without a Rival. As we study this week's lesson, we will again review the plight of God's people under Sennacherib, the Assyrian king and how mighty God is to save those who trust him absolutely. Strings attached. Isaiah 36 verse 1 Now it came to pass in the fourteenth year of King Hezekiah that Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came against all the defensed cities of Judah and took them. Recall from our previous lesson that King Ahaz purchased Assyrian aid against the alliance of Syria and northern Israel with Judah's freedom. So King Hezekiah inherited a nation that had lost her independence. In a bid to bring to an end the endless pain of tributes to the Assyrians, King Hezekiah sought to bring back Judah to full freedom by rebelling against the Assyrians at the death of Sargon II, just before Sennacherib sat on that throne. But this attempt failed as Sennacherib rose up to the occasion, subdued Judah, and further humiliated her by devastating her forces and by physically ravaging the city of Judah. But despite this first failure, King Hezekiah never gave up. He further strengthened his fortification, re-equipped and reorganized his army, and increased Jerusalem's security and water supply. This king, Hezekiah, did not stop at this. Ellen White, Records and Prophets and Kings, page 351, what the king did in addition to physical preparation. But a king of Judah had determined to do his part in preparing to resist the enemy, and having accomplished all that human ingenuity and energy could do, he had assembled his forces and had exalted them to be of good courage. Hezekiah provided spiritual leadership as a way to boost the morale of his troop. 
Notice that the king did not only pray without doing what he could do as a human. So the question is, before asking God for help, what did you do? The lesson here is that you do not fold your hands and begin to pray for even the things that God has already given you wisdom to handle. God cannot do for you what you can do for yourself, but God will do for you what you cannot do for yourself. It is wisdom to do all that you can possibly do in any circumstance before relying on God to do His part. This does not preclude the fact that you can always pray and ask God for aid to accomplish what you know He has blessed you with wisdom and strength to accomplish. But it is foolishness to think that you do not have a part to play, that God will do all things for you while you go to sleep. Propaganda Isaiah 10, 13-14 For he said, By the strength of my hand I have done it, and by my wisdom, for I am prudent, and I have removed the bounds of the people, and I have put down the inheritance like a valiant man. The Assyrians were so intelligent that they could use other methods to lead surrounding nations to surrender to them without having to fight any physical battle. The Assyrian mind would first ask, what is the need wasting resources in battles if you could force the inhabitants to surrender and if you could gain power and wealth without fighting a battle? While Sennacherib was engaged in the battle of Lachish, he sent his high officers to take over Jerusalem by propaganda. The Assyrian high officers argued that Egypt was too weak to help Judah at that time and that God was already angry with Hezekiah and would not come to the aid of Judah. They argued that Judah did not have enough trained men to handle their 2,000 horses. They argued that the gods of the other nations conquered by the Assyrians never helped them, so the god of Judah will not too. They suggested to Judah to surrender to Assyrian power to avoid any siege and escape hunger and death. Apart from the fact that Jehovah was not like the gods and is still not like the gods of the other nations, all other facts presented by the Assyrian high officers were true. So from a human perspective, no reasonable person in Judah would have doubted these officers. It appeared that Jerusalem was doomed. But Judah knew that God had not communicated that he had abandoned her. The hope of Judah was stayed on God. Have you found yourself before in a situation where it appeared from every human point that all was lost? What was your only hope? Please share with someone how you were saved from that situation. Shaken but not forsaken. Isaiah 36 verse 21 But they held their peace and answered him not a word. For the king's commandment was answer him not. In the height of this crisis, Hezekiah sought the intercession of prophet Isaiah, the very prophet his father ignored. The king turned to God for help. The Lord spoke through prophet Isaiah that God was still on his throne for his people, that Sennacherib would hear a rumor that would distract him. This was immediately fulfilled. Sennacherib was temporarily distracted, but chose not to give up. He sent a threatening message to Hezekiah. Do not let your God deceive you that Jerusalem will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. 
have the gods of the other nations saved them. This time, Hezekiah took the letter to God. He spread it before the Lord in his temple where he is enthroned, as in heaven also. Hezekiah simply appealed to the Lord to demonstrate who he is so that all the kingdoms of the earth will know that he alone is God. It's Isaiah 37 verse 20. Do you have any threat challenging the power of God? Is there anyone talking ill about your God and doubting what God can do in your life? How can you learn from Hezekiah to return that challenge to God and let him prove his supremacy because he will always do so? The rest of the story. History and archaeology tell part of the story that Sennacherib never took Jerusalem as God said he will never. Archaeology reveals that on the walls of Sennacherib's palace, there were paintings of his battles and conquests. All the cities he conquered were painted on a wall, but a picture or painting of Jerusalem was never on that wall. But for the grace of God, these pictures would have shown Jerusalem. The Bible tells the rest of the story that God sent Hezekiah a message of total assurance for Judah. God defended the city of Jerusalem, but poured out his fury on the proud Assyrian king who had defiled the name of God. The Bible showed in 2 Kings 19 verses 35 to 37 that God fulfilled his promise of defending Judah. In one night, the angel of the Lord smote 185,000 people in the Assyrian camp. So, Sennacherib quietly returned back to Nineveh, where he, he too met his doom. While he was worshipping in the temple of his God in Nineveh, his two sons met him there and smote him with a sword. A big crisis calls for a big miracle like this. Ellen G. White wrote in Prophets and Kings, page 361, If Sennacherib had conquered Jerusalem, he would have deported the people in such a way that Judah would have lost her identity, as northern Israel did. From one perspective, then, there would have been no Jewish people to whom the Messiah could be born. Their story would have ended right there. But God kept hope alive. What are your threats? And how can you learn from this experience? That God will always keep hope alive for those who trust him. In sickness and in health, Satan was determined to bring an end to the life of Hezekiah and even Jerusalem as a city. The reasoning that if Hezekiah were out of the way, his efforts at reform will cease and the fall of Jerusalem could be the more readily accomplished. The SDA Bible Commentary, Volume 4, page 240. By rejecting God and his prophet, Ahaz began a process that led God's people into slavery. Hezekiah, on the other hand, led God's people out of slavery by holding on to God's hands and by enjoying the intercession of God's prophets. Whose example would you follow? The miraculous recovery of King Hezekiah later sent a sign to the Babylonians and all the neighboring nations that there was a God in Judah. And if the son moved at Hezekiah's request, what could God not do for his people? In conclusion, by rejecting God, we accept slavery and humiliation. 
But by choosing to obey God and his prophets, we enjoy liberation, freedom, and peace. Please pray with me. Our great God and King of the universe, thank you again for granting us an opportunity to study your word and for revealing your power and might through this lesson. Let your word saturate our lives now and throughout this week. Cause us, Lord, to trust you absolutely, that your power might be revealed through us. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. For questions and contributions, you can reach me on WhatsApp through plus 234-903-789-1680. Or you can send an email to Summer School Lesson Summary at gmail.com. God bless you.